But I want to read. I want to finish in, in, in a little bit of review. Colossians again to me is a very powerful spiritual book, uh, as is all the Word of God. But it seems like in those middle epistles, there's a progressive revelation that takes place from Galatians uh, to Ephesians and, and Philippians into Colossians, and Colossians just um, uh, the deity of Christ is exposed. And uh, just so many things. And I, I say that to say this to you is is um, there is a progressive revelation going on in our lives, uh, in the lives of those that you care about. There are some that their faith is at, is, is at the place where it's nothing but a seed. And maybe just, you know, just being planted or, or there's some in their, in their walk with God. They, you know, thank the Lord. He doesn't leave us like he finds us, but we grow in his grace. And so I say that to say those of you that, you know, if you feel like you are mature, be kind to those that aren't. You know, it doesn't make us spiritually superior. If if somebody's in a place where they're struggling like the Galatian church was through legalism and all of that stuff, it doesn't make them evil people. It may, it means God needs to reveal, right? And and in every and in every situation and every season of our life, what I pray and what brings strength and stability is revelation. And so wherever you're at, you know what? Today you're in a good spot. Because you're looking, you would not be here if you weren't looking towards him. And he he will lead us. And so, um, let me read this in Colossians chapter 3. And again, if you have a question, please stop me. You can raise your hand or, or if you have a comment, do that also. It says, therefore, and this is Colossians 3.12, therefore God's chosen ones, holy and loved, that's a declaration. You know, it's, it's not what we want to be. It's who we are. How many know you're God's chosen one? Okay. Holy and loved. I mean, do you feel holy? A lot of the times, probably not. But does he see you as holy? Yes. Okay. So he says, therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and love, put on heartfelt compassion. I love that that phrase they're put on heartfelt compassion, not you know we we can put on compassion just in um, kind of like a cloak, but when it's a part of your life, compassion just flows out of you at, at every point. So the scriptures said put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, accepting one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against you just as the Lord has all uh, has forgiven you so you must also forgive I, I'm, again I'm, you know I'm going to go back through some of this but I want to emphasize the word here you must forgive it's not an option to forgive okay if if you have received forgiveness, and you're going to access that forgiveness, it is absolutely essential that you let others go. If you're saying, God, I'm, I'm going to receive everything you have for me, there is one thing that will absolutely negate the forgiveness of God. 
in your life, and it's the only thing. It was your inability to forgive others. If you've uh, um, uh, read in the, uh, Jesus talking about the man who owed this his master so much, and the master come to get, to get an account from him and to, and to do what he needed to do, and he said, "Look," he said, uh, "He said I'll pay, I'll do whatever I, I need you have to do." He said, "You got to give me time." And the master had uh, compassion. And said, "I forgive you." And and uh, and the man left that time, left that meeting, and he goes out, and and he goes into the street, and those that owed him a little bit, he grabbed them by the throat, said, "You pay me all you owe me." And when the master heard this, he went back and said, "I forgave you. Why can't you forgive others?" And, and, and Jesus ends that dissertation by saying, so will your heavenly Father do so to you. So the reality of it is our, our ability to forgive others is absolutely connected to our, our us receiving forgiveness. So where he says in Colossians, you must forgive. If I ask again, what is forgiveness? Give me a definition. Somebody give me a definition. Joel, go out there and tell them to take it somewhere else. I'm deaf and I can hear them. Tell them pastor said so. Forgiveness. Yeah, well, not yet. (laughs) What? Giving up your right. That is the best definition of forgiveness is giving up your right to punish. And uh, again, I'm hoping it's still online that the forgiveness uh, that Jeannie taught years ago. Is that still online, Dan? Yeah, it just it is an incredible um, informative teaching on the spectrum of forgiveness because we throw words out and we don't even know what they mean or or. Uh, uh, you know, the definitions, and, and so um, we try to forgive, you know. But, you know, you ever see, hear the one where, well, it's like a balloon, and, you you know, you got to let the balloon go. Well, the reality is you can let go of all kinds of things and still want to see somebody punished. I, I've said it before in, in the process of forgiving others that have wounded. It's easy to forgive small infractions. It's when somebody really hurts you or hurts your family. Right, and uh, and some of you have experienced that or experienced that personally, and it, it awakens your sense of justice. Right, that this was unjust; they need to pay. And um, in the whole that whole process of our life, but as I went through that process of forgiving others in my life, somebody who wounded us very deeply. I said, Lord, I give up my right to punish him. I just can't wait till you get to him. Right? I want to see you hurt him. So I can't wait to stand before there. And I'm going to give that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Right? Isn't that what the Scripture says? And so we want to see him execute vengeance. Well, I'm going to tell you what. He doesn't want vengeance. He wants forgiveness. He wants he wants mercy to triumph over that, and and the reality 
of it is when when finally I realized that we have the right, and this is uh, in the Gospel of John, the end of the chapter, the end of the uh, book, where Jesus is with his disciples. He breathes on, breathes on them and says, "Receive the Holy Ghost." Then he says this incredible statement. He says, "Whoever sins, you remit; they'll be remitted." And whoever sins you retain, they'll be retained. Like, we have the power to remit sin. Remit is not for sin not to be remembered, okay? Now, the truth of it is we do, but the, the reality of it is we don't have the, um, Shelly, I forgive you of all your sins. I don't have that right. But if I've sinned against her or she has sinned against me, she has the right to say, Pastor, that sin, I I don't want, you know, you're free from it. You're not to pay for it now, not to be punished now. And Lord, don't punish him when he, when he stands before you. I'm convinced the people that I ha, that I forgive that have sinned against me, that I have the authority to say, Lord, don't hold that against them. Not that I can forgive all of the sins of their life, but something that's been done against me, I can say, Lord, don't hold that against them. And so when they stand before God, if they're free of one thing, it's the thing they did against me. Now, you say, well, did you know where did that happen? I, I'm convinced when I remember the stoning of Stephen. What did he say? He said, forgive them, Lord. Don't lay this on the charge. They, they don't know what they're doing. What did Jesus say from the cross? Don't. Lord, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I'm going to tell you, if there's anybody that's going to be stand before God in the end of the days and not give account for Calvary, it's those that were standing there that day. Because he spoke forgiveness. And so you say, well, then where is justice? If we must forgive, where is justice? Justice is the cross. It is the only justice in this world. And, and, and he laid upon him the sin of all mankind. And he, if you want to know what he thinks about sin and, and what's been done to you, look at what happened to Christ. He was brutally murdered. He suffered tremendously. And he suffered once for every sin. And to say, Lord, let that sin go to your cross. I'm going to tell you, if you've never done that, I'm, I'm asking you, please. Because what it does is it opens the door wide open for you to access the cross anytime you need to. Anytime you've fallen, anytime your flesh rises up, anytime you need to go before the throne of grace, it is, there's absolute, just wide open, freeway access. Boom, you're there. And if you feel like you cannot access to the cross, it's because you have not forgiven others yourself. And you've got to explore that and get to that place and realize if, if vengeance is the Lord, you know where he took vengeance? At the cross. He was beaten. He was humiliated. All of those things for our sake. So... Uh, that forgiveness is absolutely something that we must do. Above all, it says in uh, Colossians chapter 3, put on love, 
the perfect bond of unity and let the peace of the Messiah uh, uh, to which you are also called in one body control your hearts. Okay, let me, let me read that again. Uh, above all, okay, if we're putting it in priority, above all. In other words, the top priority, you follow me? Okay. Above all, put on love. The perfect bond of unity. Do you think God wants us to be united? Okay, listen to this. And let the peace of the Messiah, to which you are also called in one body, control your hearts. There's a whole lot that's being said there. Uh, if there's one thing that this world lacks today is peace. If there's one thing that ought to be in the church today is peace. The peace of God to control your heart. But what we are lacking and what I feel is the enemy uh, has kind of slipped in there and like I was trying to preach this morning about Eve being deceived and just taking the word and, and, and you know, uh, uh, distracting and getting her in a, in, a, in a different direction. The enemy has come into our culture in a, in a generation and, um, and made us uh, uh, be so self-focused in our lives that we don't know what it's like to be joined to the body. And, and what happens is our pursuit of individual peace is, is something that is unattainable without, uh, being a part of the body to which you've been called. You say that again. The peace you so desperately pursue individually is absolutely impossible without you being in the perfect bond of unity to the body to which you and I have been called to. In other words, okay, if you're going to above all put on love, above all put on love, what does it mean to be, to love? What does it mean to love? Others before yourself. Being unselfish. The opposite of love is being selfish. Do we live in a selfish culture or an unselfish culture? Everybody's looking out for Self, all right? And so I've got to have peace. I've got to have joy. I've got to be provided for. I've got to be there. I've got to be that. And the reality of it is, as I've told you before, the enemy of our soul comes alongside, and he doesn't just say God doesn't exist, not to us, but he perverts his word. You know, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all, you know, we get, we're living in the me generation or or you know, you've, if you've read anything about the millennials, right? And we can trash them as if you know how bad they are. Well, the reality of it is, we raised them. So who's the bad one? You know, where did that come from? And it's a progressive generational thing, drawing us away from the Word of God and becoming uh, uh, increasingly more selfish. Um. And the idea now, now, and again, I'm not here to take sides in election. I have my own opinion that we can talk about it later. But the reality of it is, this election is is uh, uh, 
I don't want to say scary, but the idea of of people so dishonoring one another. Right, right through um, the process. All right, but even now, the choice has been made. And in our children, and the stuff I see on the news about our our president to be, right? It's just so incredibly dishonorable to the whole process. And and I'm not saying that to be political. I'm talking about the spirit of our age when, well, I don't agree. And so, well, okay, then vote four years from now and see if your ideas, that's, that was the whole idea of our, of our, uh, constitution and, and, and our, and our nation when it was unified. But today, because of that individualism, you don't agree with me and then you're an idiot. You know, because it's all about me. How am I taking care of myself? And that, okay, so we see that in the political process, but I'm here to tell you what it creeps into and invades the church. That we become so selfish and self-focused that we don't even know what it is to love and to walk in humility and to, and to, uh, 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 have these attributes that he's saying, that perfect bond of unity. With humility, gentleness, patience, accepting one another, forgiving one another. You know what has to happen for that to, to, to be in your life is you have to have a relationship with people. You have to be involved in people's lives. You know, there's so many people, I don't, I don't, I don't need, I don't need the church. So I can have God on some mountaintop. Well, you're a knucklehead. Honestly. Because without the body of Christ, you're being lied to. I don't care how beautiful creation is. Creation is not God. It is that relationship of the one body. And, and, and so the only way that happens is that, you know, I, the closer I get to some of you, the more I realize you need forgiveness. And the closer you get to me, the more you realize we're imperfect human beings. And in and, and forgiving and forbearing and loving one another is absolutely necessary for us to walk in the peace. God has peace for us. But it's not when you are, I'm not having peace here. Because, not because there's not peace here, but because you won't forgive, forbear. You know, you're all intense about so You're going to remove yourself and you're going to have peace by yourself. Think about it for a minute. Not yelling at anybody. I'm just telling you what happens. When the reality of it is, it is our relationship that that causes us that that friction that happens that brings out the true uh, 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 essence of Christ in us by forgiving one another and, and being kind to one another and walking in humility and, and it's those kind of attributes in our life that comes to the surface that absolutely bring peace in every situation. I don't know about you, but that was really good right there. Absent of that, you know, anytime you feel any conflict, I'm going to run and hide. It's time for me to pull in. And, and, and you, do, you don't live in, in, in flourish in that peace rather than in every situation. These attributes that should be in us that produce that God nature and ultimately 
the thing that we're looking for the most, that love and joy and peace in our life, that hope. It comes from having uh, um, that relationship the, the, and that unity. It is, at, it is essential for us to walk in unity. I don't have to agree with you in everything to walk in unity. I have to agree that, that we're all in process, that we're on a journey together, and, and that, that, you know what, you're in a different place, and thank God I'm in a different place than I was a year ago or five years ago. Just, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot could be said, but when, when he said that um, in, in one of the commandments that you shall not make a graven image of him. Did you, you ever read that? It's one of them. Don't make a graven image. We get at this idea that, that God, one time he worked one way in our lives, and boom, that's the way he's going to work every time, and, and you miss him all the other times that he's working. One time it was hurtful and painful, and, and, and so that's the way God's going to work in my life. Well, you're going to miss all the other times that he's working. And he said that to say this, listen, there, you cannot create a graven image of others either. You know, I knew you back then. You knew me back then. You know, I knew you when. Well, you know what? We change. If we're, if, if our goal is we're looking into his image and, and we're, we're changed into that image from glory to glory. I am not what I was six months ago. I'm not what I was when I walked through this building this morning because there's changes that are happening continually. And, and you allow that. And I'm not telling you not to be um, uh, use good judgment and safety uh, when people are unsafe. There's people that are unsafe that I'm not going to let around my life right now. And maybe someday they'll be all right. I don't know. Doesn't mean I have to let them back in. I do have to forgive them. I, I can't punish them. I got to give up that right, and I got to remit. I can remit their sins. So the idea of uh, of the day that we live in, what I believe is the deception that's coming into our culture and society, where the enemy of our soul has even infiltrated the church, is is. Uh, uh, it's all about me. You know, that individual, even sometimes our culture and, uh, you know, America's rugged individualism, you know, and I'm all for independence and all that stuff and making your own way. But when, when it comes to the body of Christ, it's an us thing. It's we. You know, I, 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 I cannot do this without being in fellowship. He he makes a way for that, so uh, and and I just let me just say this: you got you got to be careful. Even even the nature of our songs, not our songs, but you ever have you listened to Christian radio and said I can't listen to that? It drives me dark raving mad because it's all about this. All about me, all how I'm feeling. I'm not good, and oh, if I'm overcoming, then it's me, 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 me. It's like, shut up, please. I every once in a while I'll yell at the radio and say that, but or or change into a country western singing. 
At least where I know it's sin. <laughs> but the reality, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes it's so much introspection. It's like, you know, and, and we think it's godly. And, oh, well, we get all emotionally involved as if so. It's like, please. Okay, that's okay if, if you're being nursed. That's okay if you're uh, such an infant in Christ. But there is a place and a time for you to grow up. The world doesn't revolve around me. It doesn't revolve around good things happen, bad things happen. And it's great every once in a while that you have your own pity party and cry. But then stand up. Why? Because God's good. He's his favors on us. And and I, I shouldn't be the one, you know, it's this whole idea of wow, we're just barely making him. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think we're actually overcoming. You know, I actually think that that, that God's on the move and, and, and he's not surprised by whatever else is out there and he's not surprised about what's coming in my life for your life. And we overcome by faith. And maybe I'm out, but I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you, folks, be careful what you listen to, even in the Christian world. Because it can, it can somehow give you the idea that it's just you, it's you and Jesus. Well, no, there's a there's a body of believers. It goes, it says, let me finish reading this. And let the peace of the Messiah to which you were also called in one body control your hearts. Let it control your hearts because you're in fellowship. Because these things of humility and love and gentleness and patience are always working in our lives because we're in fellowship. And when you tick me off, the thing for me to be is gentle. When I think I know better than you, the thing for me to be is humility. It's to have humility, right? It's all of these attributes that bring about, if they're in you, it brings about peace. So, but it goes on to say, be thankful. Key. I, I tell the kids in the Ambleside, I, I do their Wednesday morning uh, devotion and uh, Bible class. And we have a Bible a verse for life. And uh, um, it is, uh, help me out here. But be thankful in all things. No, that isn't how it goes. Where are the kids? Always be thankful. Here it is. Always be thankful. Never stop praying. Okay? Yeah, that's it. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. That's why it's a kid's memory's verse. But being joyful, being thankful, always praying, knowing that that's the will of God. Yeah? Always being joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in every circumstance. For this is the will of God to you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. How many of you are joyful today? Come on. How many of you, well, well, what have I got to be joyful? You know, I, I, we can always be joyful. And that joy in our life is because, as the Scripture says here, that, uh, that, that we're thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. Try it out this week. 
You know, if you're going to complain about your husband or your wife or your kids or whatever, start writing some things out that you're thankful about. Start thinking about those things. I'll tell you something. And, and again, not, not to play on anybody's emotion or heartstring, but I, I went to, had to go um, to a funeral this week of a 17-year-old girl. Just tragically, in a moment's time, you know, not not disease, not coming home, maybe driving too fast, whatever it was, you know, she was killed instantly, and it just, you know, you you hear people got trouble, and you think you got trouble, and financial trouble, and car trouble, and all. You don't have trouble, not compared to something that's real trouble. And and I just couldn't help but be thankful. All those times my girls rolled cars and crashed cars. Oh God, it, it, you know, thank you, Lord, and and I, I do. You just we have so much to be thankful for. And it says, "Let the message of the Messiah about the Messiah dwell richly among you." It ought to be. It ought to dwell, not just something that you spout out when you know. Somebody hits the right button, it ought to just dwell in you. That message ought to be just a part of who we are. And it goes on singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Above all, above all, and it goes on, put on love, above all, these things, you know, that ought to be in our uh, our lives, being thankful and letting that message be in us, speaking uh, to one another in, in, with wisdom and, and let our songs that we sing lift them up in faith, not lift up our problems and how bad it is because we don't have it bad. And uh, here here's the deal. If... And you'll remember some of you, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Man, that used to be one of our go-to scriptures. Bam. We could beat people over there with that. Jesus' name. Boom. You know, but I'm going to tell you something. If you has it, if you are declaring his name without his nature, it, it, you know, just because you can speak his name and you can, you know, crush somebody with your biblical knowledge, if you don't have the nature of God, I'm just, I'm totally unimpressed. And so lifting up, doing everything in the name of Jesus, I am convinced. You can call me Jesus' name all uh, day long. They call me Jesus only, and I say I'm not that, but I am Jesus everything. Because it's all in Him. And uh, the idea of knowing that and the power in the name of Jesus. The power in the name of Jesus is lived out in our lives because the message dwells in us. And His nature is lived through us. And that above all, there is love and there is humility and there is gentleness and there is patience. There's all of those things that bring about the unity that has to happen. That's something to be protected. 
And it doesn't take much when somebody gets off and they begin to to murmur and complain, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. There's always something wrong. Come on, we're human beings. There's always something wrong. Well, the church isn't doing this. There's always something the church isn't doing. It could do this better. Well, good. You know what? Come on alongside and help us do it better. But you listen to some people, and you got to be careful if they're trying to to break down the unity of the Spirit that God wants to have, because in that dwells the peace of God. you got to be careful. So, what, are you talking specific? It's always happening. We're always being bombarded. There's always some, um, you know, you think the enemy, if we're doing the right thing, the enemy wants to leave us alone? Well, how does he get involved? He just... You know, gets in somebody's craw. What's the best thing? How do you how do you combat that? Humility, forgiveness, patience, all of those things. Kindness. Uh, so, please, if you if you uh, if you're going to be the people of His name, we got to be the people of His nature. And and you real you realize one of the things if you see it as you come in through the sanctuary doors that found people find people, right? I love that, you know, uh, that that if you have been found by him, that there is this. It's not even an obligation; it's a desire for other people to find him. But but when you get into this. Uh, Way of thinking of complete self-absorption, and that your Christianity is all about you. You're not looking to the needs of others, right? If there's one thing about the nature of God, do you know who He honored most? Me. You. Do you realize how much He honors us? So we need to honor God. You know how much He honored us. You know what he thinks about us? Think about that for a moment. That he literally, well, we were yet sinners. He died for us. You know, it's, it's scarcely for a good man some would dare to die. But while we were just out there, he loved us that much. I mean, those are words that we throw out in Christianese. But the reality of it is God honors us. He thinks the world of us. So much that he reaches out and he, you know, and so being found by him and realizing how much he honored me and cares about me, if I'm going to be the the people of the name of Jesus and let his nature flow through us, I'm going to realize that man, he thinks the world of you. The body of Christ, of course he does. But then you got somebody coming in here today for the first time. I don't know how many how you feel, but I just feel I feel like wow, somebody that's that there's somebody I and I'm not making this up. Wow, there's somebody special coming in here. Do you know him? No, I don't know him. But how do you know they're special? Because God says I'm special. He honored me. Then wow, oh man, maybe, maybe God, you're going to speak to them today, and I'm looking for an opportunity. Because I have been found and been honored by him. And the reality of it is you've got to be careful who you dishonor. We live in a culture of dishonor. 
We live, you know, where it's okay to be vile and, and, and speak things that ought not be spoken. And be careful that it doesn't come into our lives. And, and the reality of found people, find people, it's, it's because you're going to honor those that may not know him yet. Yeah, they're filthy sinners. You know, they deserve what's coming to them. No more than you and I did. Right? And so the idea of the nature of God is understanding the value that He has placed on us. And because He valued us, we don't take that selfishly, but we value others. Regardless where we find them in the moment. Knowing that the only thing that is different between us and them is Christ in us. Second Corinthians chapter 8. I, I want to just read this. 1 and 2. He says, uh, and we're talking about honoring and giving. Reality, when you, you know, when I, usually when we talk about giving, we think financially. You know, how many are going to give to the Christmas thing? That's awesome. Sometimes it's easy to give financially rather than give yourself. And and so I want to read this, and you may not think it fits, but follow me for just a minute. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God granted to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. Let me read that again. During a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. That don't even make sense. Does that make sense? Think about it. You, you, there's some of you, you think you're so, uh, uh, you don't have anything to give. You know, I'm so in needy myself. Well, I'm going to tell you what. The only way out of your need is to give. And I'm not talking dollars and cents. I'm talking about you as a, you, you know, I don't have any peace. And I, you, you keep selfishly searching for it to come your way rather than stand up and be uh, 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 that for somebody else and give to somebody else and they're in their poverty if you think there's a deep poverty in your life and a deep lack isn't that what poverty is a deep need there's a deep need in my life for to be loved there's a deep need in my life to be forgiven there's a deep need in my life well out of your poverty your your generosity your generosity will produce wealth God knows I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about what the real needs of our life. I don't have it to give. Give what you have. Just again, from personal experience, poverty. Somebody check me on a definition. Lack of means. It's the definition of poverty. I have a lack of means. Scripture talks about blessed are the poor in spirit. It's a matter of recognizing your source. You know, the, to say I don't have it to give, 
you're being selfish. If I if I understand, okay, if I have a, if I'm poor in spirit, it means I'm recognizing my source and tell me what he lacks. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Paul said it. He said, I, I labor with all the strength he supplies. Yeah, in and of myself, there lies no good thing. But my focus isn't there. And so I recognize his abundance. I tap into his provision. I allow his strength to flow through me. So when I give, it's not me, it's Christ. When I serve, it's not me, it's Christ. When I, when I write a check out, it's not me, it's Christ. Or when I get behind a project that I don't necessarily, doesn't flip my switch, that it's not me, it's Christ, because Christ supplies all of my needs, and I may have a severe lack of means, but I, but he has no lack. No lack. And that's where my focus is, is on his ability. And if, if I truly believe, above all, put on love, the Scripture says in Galatians that faith only works by one thing, love. And so I, I just felt like I had to... of it is and I love what he says during your severe testing by affliction their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity because you, you, you know if you're seeking peace and you think it's going to come from you you're going to be looking a long time when every once in a while you may hit it right you may hit those jagged you know time when you're feeling good but when you're when you realize the depth of our emptiness and you realize the wealth of his provision and you give that and and you see it only comes to you as you are able to give it out forgiveness came to me when i gave it away and it's in its fullness i know he forgave me when i said lord forgive me but when he showed me that i need to forgive others i have an absolute open access to him that is scary free but it's because i hold nobody else it's not that i'm not going to have to forgive somebody some point down my life in my life i'm sure i will but the reality of it is because of what he his provision then i have wealth i don't have an abundance of peace to give away but he's the prince of peace and so in my poverty, in the recognition of my inability, I look to him as my provider, and I give that away. Uh, you, you say, well, let me get it first. You know, there's that process of understanding. Let me give it, and watch as you give it with the way you measure it out. Guess what? It comes back multiplied. And so those of you that have no peace and you think, man, I just got to get it for myself. You got it. You got to. Let me read this again. During a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. They tapped into some supply that they didn't have because they, they just didn't have it. But man, it overflowed. I just, that's, I like that one. All right, I'm almost done here.
In fact, you know what? Let's see. We got four minutes. Uh, I, I just let me just read this, and I know it's not politically correct in 2016, but I'm going to read it anyway because it's the word. And I'll and I'm going to speak for 30 seconds and then cut you off. Uh, it says, "Wives, be submissive to your husbands, as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them." We think that's this, you know, the man's up here and the woman's in the, there's God has order in our life. And the responsibility of, of husbands loving their wives uh, and then the wives to be in submission is huge. Too much to say uh, in the next four minutes, but it's reality. It brings order. It brings uh, um, peace in your home. And... Um, it says, children, obey your parents. I know there's no kids here, but it says, in everything. Children, obey your parents. And um, uh, and then it goes on again. With every declaration, there's a responsibility. Fathers, do not exacerbate your, uh, your children so they won't be discouraged. Slaves, obey your masters and everything. The Bible talks about slaves. Yeah. Why didn't why didn't you know why didn't it pull that out? Well, because uh, the nature of God in our lives would eventually eliminate that evil. That's what happened. And the re- reality today it says I could translate that say you that work a job. You know what? Do a good job. Obey those that you work for. Get, get, you know, it's not you're not working against them. Get, do a day's work. It says whatever you do. Oh, and it says don't don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. So, well, God does God have stuff to say about our our life? This is life. What is that? That's the nature of God being lived out. And I'm going to finish here. It says, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing that you will receive a reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong they've done. And there is no favoritism. Amen. I love his order. I love his order. And I'm not looking at Jeannie's responsibility to be in submission to me as much as I am looking at my responsibility to love my wife. It's not, you got to do this. As soon as you start pointing, you got to do that. Well, wait a minute. We get to choose whatever we do. And I choose to serve God with all my heart. I want to do that. And so the responsibility in your life, you're saying, well, you know, this one isn't, my husband's not loving me. Well, that doesn't mean that you can negate your your faith. Well, my wife's not in submission to me, so I'm going to hold back. Don't be a knucklehead. You need to be true to God first and watch God's favor and goodness just overtake your life and His nature to be a part of every part, being a parent, all of those things. So, is that all that? 
Next week we'll do something different. I think we're done with Colossians. So if you want to read the next one, it's First Thessalonians. Get into it. Uh, and um, we'll talk a little bit about how that is relevant in our life. So, Father, I speak your blessing, your word in our life, and let it be that it would uh, direct us and help us. I, God, I, I pray for the nature of God in our life, for the unity of the Spirit to be in the church, and that, that peace that ought to be in our lives as we are involved in the one body. I speak your blessing and your grace in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.